0: Analytics with Mike Lewis, the podcast where we talk about everything you need to know about sports analytics. Here's your host, Mike Lewis, marketing professor at Emory University. Okay, welcome everyone. Welcome to the Fanalytics podcast. Uh, my name is Mike Lewis. I am joined by Doug Battle. We are brought to you by the Emory Marketing Analytics Center. Uh, just as we were talking, uh, just before we. Flip the recorders on. Doug and I were talking a little COVID-19 and the seeming disconnect that exists in the world. So, you mm. know, as I mentioned every week, we're brought to you by the Marketing Analytics Center, and we are gearing up for our Marketing Analytics Center programming. And in, in the past, we've always done live events and The reality is, though, on university campuses, live events are very far and few between with the exception of teams that play major college football. Doug, have you been to some live events with minimal COVID restrictions?
1: Yeah, it's funny. I've not been to any kind of conferences or these typical workplace live events that we're used to seeing and that we're used to planning. Uh, but then with sports, college football, you wouldn't even know that there's a pandemic going on. I, I don't know if you saw footage from the Penn State Auburn game. It looked like they had a million people in the stadium. I know, it was, I think it was close to 110,000 people. The wide out with the shakers, it looked amazing on television. Um, ended up being a real exciting game. But I went to the Georgia game this last week in Athens and no mask mandates, no social distancing. They have hand sanitizer. And that's about it. Um, And so there's such a huge difference in how the sports world is navigating COVID at this point in the pandemic and how the professional world is and how academia is and how all these different sectors of our society are approaching the pandemic. You wouldn't know it was going on if you just looked at sports. You would think it was the, the biggest thing that's ever happened. If you just look at yeah, academia, it, for example,
0: it it strikes me as legitimately strange at this point. The, this disconnect, where you, I, I agree with you, you you turn on a game and it's it almost seems retro. This this blast from the past of you know how these things used to be, where there, I mean, I, are there are a few masks in the stands. Is that is that fair to say? Very few, though. Any?
1: I like like in Athens, Georgia. I don't know if I saw a single one. And last year when I went to one game. Everyone had one on um, and, and there were not very many people there, but you had to have one on. But yeah, I don't know that I saw a single mask. I will say the one the one pandemic factor that was different with this season than, than a non-pandemic year was up on the big screen. They had players and coaches talking about getting vaccinated, wearing a mask, social distancing, things of that nature, encouraging people to take those steps. Um, but there was no restrictions, no enforcement of anything. And it didn't seem that the game felt any different than a non-pandemic year definitely didn't feel like an asterisk year there as last year did
0: and I don't even really know if this is fair to say but to me it feels like again it's another it's another situation where politics and sports are coming together like I've not been to a college football game this mm-hmm. year but obviously there's a lot of reporting that there's F Joe Biden chance at a lot of these games <laughs> Well, I didn't hear anything like that. (laughs) I I, like I've seen some of the footage. I don't know how widespread it is, but it seems like it's something that's that's happening. So again, we're we're this strange kind of disconnect where the world of sports are done with the mask. And again, I think it's fair to say, you know, when I was talking originally, it's like you know we're talking about indoor professional networking events versus outdoor events, but ninety thousand people without any hope of social distancing for three three and a half hours and and look i've said this i remember um making an observation when i first started teaching down at the university of florida you know my college football games had been at the university of illinois where at the university of illinois you stand Mm -hmm. up and scream for five Mm -hmm. ten minutes a game at the university of florida you sit down and are quiet for five to 10 minutes a game right and so exactly these stadiums you know maybe the fact that it's outside the you know the the, the sunlight but it's hard to imagine that those are not worse than six feet apart indoors um so it's a it's an like, <laughs> no it, it's
1: no and, and- Going beyond sports, um, I saw I had a friend uh, who lives, he lives out in California, and he went to three different concerts last week. So I was seeing on his his social media packed up. And this is in California where things are somewhat locked down. I know um, he said that there's still mask restrictions indoors, and there's still, so they're having all these concerts outdoors. But again, thousands and thousands of people, body to body, singing dancing, sweating, you know, just just kind of a germaphobes nightmare out there and seeing this in the state of California. So I don't know that it's just like a southeast like political thing. It seems like it's almost more has to do with the industry, like sports industry relies on live events and therefore they've kind of promoted live events. The music industry um, and, and I think film to a lesser degree relies on that. And, and have promoted it to some degree and that people have responded to that. And then in the business world, for whatever reason, it seems as though there's, I mean, most people I know in Atlanta are still working from home. Most people I know everywhere. My brother lives in Boston um, and, and he just started going back to the office, but I think he's in a position where most of his friends are working from home as well. And so for whatever reason, it's like we're at a point where society is okay with Huge events with hundreds of thousands of people sweating on each other, but office spaces with 10 to 15 people spread out, or even conferences with 100 to 200 people in a conference room uh, or in a a larger space is not acceptable.
0: And look, I have not been to the Emory campus in a while now, but on the occasions where I was going... It's shocking how sparse those places tend to be because I think, I think you're dead right that the vast majority of people are still working from home. And, and frankly, we're getting a little beyond sports, but the reality is if you send people home for two years to you know flatten the curve, it's, it's probably misguided to think that you're going to come back to that, that regular density and that regular work pace uh, following it
1: yeah so yeah and and ty- tying this I know this goes beyond sports, but to me it it also it's says something about sports, like what does this say about fandom are there are fans people are people who are unwilling to go into the office to do their day job that makes their living but are willing to go into a stadium of a hundred thousand people who are yelling and screaming for four hours are those people or, do they view it as a risk are they thinking? you know i could die but i'd rather go see my team this week and find out if if i end up getting this thing and surviving from it or not or do sports fans tend to be those who uh, you know are are much less concerned about covid in the first place who don't view it All as a legitimate above. threat
0: but but and, and let me give you an answer yeah. you tell me I'll give you a fairly academic answer and you tell me if you think i'm on point or off point uh sports fandom is volunteering right so you are you're going somewhere mm-hmm. where you want to be it's all spo- it also is you know built around an aspirational community anyone li- that listens to an episode mm-hmm. of this podcast know that you love the Georgia Bulldogs and the Georgia Bulldog community and so you are showing up and and so it almost takes on you know faintly religious overtones right that these are your people mm-hmm. and you are coming together as a people. And it's, like I said, it's, it's volunteer. It's, it's willing. It's it, you're, you're all there by choice, not by requirement.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just, I'm, you know, and all, all the statements I've made have tried to be observations of this whole thing. I'm very curious to see how it plays out as far as the pandemic goes with particularly college football and seeing all these packed stadiums, yeah. particularly in regions that are less vaccinated it's curious to me that we haven't seen, and even last season, um, the spikes that you would expect based on you know what what people's expectations would be in other settings. If everyone went back to work and was working around that many people, the expectation would be to see extreme spikes. It seems like they would be reporting on it, and I haven't heard any murmurs of co- you know the pandemic of college football and the the pandemic that college football is enabling. Or I almost expect to see that to a degree. Um, But nevertheless, it's like, is this going to become an ongoing story in sports where it becomes?
0: Well, well, Doug, and I'll make one quick observation on that. Yeah. Throughout this whole pandemic that, and again, this is, this is one of the great things, you know, we should probably just sort of embrace this part of kind of the, the chaos of the modern American culture that factual statements seem like you're about to, you're going to be on thin ice. Right. I think just observationally, casual a casual look at the data and with the way restrictions restrictions have come and gone, there seems to be very little correlation between almost anything. Vaccination, you know. I, I look. I've read, and again, this is an anecdote for take it for what it's worth. That the highest vaccinated state I think in the country is Vermont, and Vermont has more COVID cases last week than they had in their previous peak. And so it's very curious from a data point of view, uh lockdowns, mask mandates, vaccinations, there seems to be relatively little correlation between outbreaks and the mitigation techniques. And again, it's something that people don't want to talk about, but I think it it's out there. And so with college football fans gathering in mass, it will be interesting to see what happens. I mean, do you know you know, we were talking the southeast. And, uh, of
1: course, you hope that absolutely nothing happens right. and that we find out, oh, this thing doesn't work out. But are there are there, um, is
0: there? more mitigation? Are there more masking restrictions in California than there are in SEC country? Do you know?
1: Um, I don't, you know, I, I think legally, yes. I think in states, even in the northeast, I think like where my brother lives, for example, I, I think masks are required. In more places than say in the southeast, where it's I, more optional. I meant in the football state, in
0: the stadiums, in the athletic. Oh, in the stadiums uh, themselves.
1: Um, well, I, I have a friend, that same friend that goes to concerts. He actually works. He's a strength coach for UCLA, and for the longest time, he was telling me his players had to, um, they had to wear masks at their facilities, at their workouts all summer, uh, even those who were vaccinated and all the rest. As far as at the stadiums, I have no idea. I would imagine. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's stadiums and I think the more liberal states, um, the the policies are more liberal, you know, as far as what you would expect. And by more liberal, you
0: mean more restrictive.
1: Yeah, more yeah. restrictive as far as like you have to wear a mask walking in the concourse or you have to wear a mask when you're walking into the stadium when it's when it's in the tunnels or whatever. Um, I've seen things like that in states like in the Northeast and on the West Coast, being in the Southeast I haven't seen any of that as far as SEC football. It it seems to be a complete free-for-all. So you would think you could take that and look at the data as far as cases that come out of those different areas and get a feel for, okay, is this thing working or not?
0: You know, we'll just continue to watch this evolving situation. Hey, Doug, now the other thing that comes to mind as we're having this discussion about college football is that, to me, this does feel like the first return to normalcy in the world of sports, mm-hmm. since absolutely March 2020, and which is a big deal, yeah, and part of me suspects that it has to do with you know that football is more resilient and more of a cornerstone of American sports fandom because it is it is an event, you know, it's a spectacle. It's ninety or a hundred thousand people, or seventy-five thousand people. In a stadium, and it happens one day a week, for the most part, it's on the weekend, so everyone can come together. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, it, one of the things I wonder about, you know, as we move forward, is you know, is football going to be more resilient? Or are we going to see more of a drop off amongst other, 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 other leagues, other types of sports, other fandoms? And so, I started to pull a little bit of data. You know, we, we don't give enough coverage to Major League Baseball on this show, but I started to pull a little bit of data and taking a look at some of some of the major essentially the economics and how baseball fandom has, uh, has evolved this year. And it's um, it, it's kind of interesting stuff. I mean baseball ends up having baseball is probably the most complicated sport to look at in terms of consumer demand as reflected by TV. Right. The NFL mm-hmm. is the NFL it gets more complicated year over year because you know they go from playing all their games on Sunday to there's Monday night, there's Thursday, there's Thursday right. night. Um, but baseball, you know, the, the games go on continuously, and the games are not really set to play on, you know, on Fox or here's the NBC game. There's mm-hmm. much more of a a reliance on regional sports networks. Right. So if you're going to watch your team, you're probably going to watch them on a regional sports network. And that, I think, creates all sorts of difficulties in terms of measurement where uh, digging into this Bally Sports now runs a bunch of these networks. And it sounds like Major League Baseball has kind of if you look at the ratings, they seem to be down year over year. But part of that is because Bally's does not have the same type of deals and tie-ins with the social media platforms, YouTube TV, et cetera. And like I said, I could be getting some of the, the details a little bit off here, but they're less tied into that. So there's essentially, you know, they're not as networked via social media as some of the other, as some of the other sports. And I think it really kind of boils down to the fact that it's, it's almost more distributed.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I I like what you're saying about football, you know, being so resilient in the pandemic, or I guess being the first sport to really show um, signs of normalcy, although I will add, like, thinking back, the NBA playoffs at the beginning, I think it was quarter capacity, half capacity. By the NBA finals, I'm pretty sure they were full capacity crowds. Um, Not that it was a particularly exciting finals year. It wasn't your classic LeBron versus somebody. It was kind of a weird year. The Suns and Bucks in the finals, so it still felt like an asterisk year. But looking across sports, it'll be interesting but, to see.
0: But Doug, we had a lot of fun with that. I mean, you oh, know, we was, did absolutely. It, it was actually a lot of. And again, I don't know. They lose the casual fan when you don't have LeBron um playing against Steph Curry. You know these kind of things, right? Right. But we had a lot of fun with it in terms of hey, look, it's the Trey Young show, right? It's uh, it's Luka Doncic coming of age.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But now looking at things and. Looking at baseball, it's like, is, are we going to have the, the typical World Series atmosphere? I would expect it, um, knowing that, I, I mean, the, the one difference in baseball is that it has a much older demographic, like the average baseball fan and the average NBA fan. There's got to be 20 or 30 years between the two. Uh, maybe not that much, but it's... I do, it's D- a,
0: Doug, I suspect it's about 15. I suspect it's about 55 to 40. So it's, yeah. it is a world of difference.
1: Yeah, and so with, with the pandemic and the dangers of it, um, there's seeming to be a correlation with age and, and younger people kind of having this invincibility factor and, and some people in the older age demographics being a little bit more cautious about it um, and for good reason in a lot of cases. It'll be interesting to see if a sport like baseball with an older audience is still able to have a return to normalcy. Um, you know, regular season baseball, it's hard to judge. You, you mentioned television, but also just in the stadium, there's not a lot of full capacity. There's not a lot of packed out, sold out Mm. regular season MLB games because the season is so long. So it's kind of hard to tell. Like right now, most games you watch, it would look like it's socially distanced, even though it's not. But that's kind of normal for a baseball regular season for most of these clubs. And so it's really the postseason where I think we're going to find out with baseball, how resilient that sport can be um, in the aftermath of of what was 2020.
0: Let me ask you a question. And again, I'll sort of, let you be kind of the everyman and all this football is spectacle. Um, it's uh, people follow the entire league because they have fantasy football teams. And so they care what Christian McCaffrey's doing. They care what mm-hmm. uh, Lamar Jackson's doing, even if they live in LA, right? I mean, right. It's, it's, whereas baseball tends to be much more, much more regionally Local. focused. Mm-hmm. People care about what Their the Atlanta team. Braves are doing. But the people in Atlanta really don't care what they don't care
1: about the Dodgers or they don't, don't care about care Pittsburgh or the, the Dodgers. Brewers or whoever yeah
0: <laughs> and so you know as we come out of so we come out of COVID and look, I mean in some ways you know I could almost make a connection to Jake Paul, do we see sports that are more about spectacle? Are they the big survivors? Mm-hmm. And you know, do other things become almost a little bit more? A little bit more niche. I mean, look, when you were describing baseball, it's like sort of, you know, they don't pack the houses, (laughs) you know, as a, as someone who's now in the demographic of the average baseball fan, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's almost something nice about the pacing of baseball. It's almost like a little bit, a little bit more relaxed, go sit in the sun, drink a couple of beers, grab a hot dog, some 90,000 screaming, yeah, (laughs)
1: standing up, you don't just stand up the whole game. Um, as is like, even in Sanford stadium, I was not in the student section. I was in a, a regular people section and we probably stood for 75% of the, the game. So it's, it's a very different experience than baseball where you can go. Baseball to me is almost more of a social, I mean, for a lot of people, I think it's more of a social, you can hang out, have some beers, eat some food, watch the game, pull for the home team kind of thing. Whereas football for a lot of fans uh, are, that are just rabid about their teams, you know it's intense. It's an intense experience. You've got to be yelling. You've got to lose your voice by halftime, um, and then try to yell through a, a horse vocal the rest of the, the rest of the game.
0: Okay. Now this this issue of um, spectacle and mm-hmm. sort of event based sports. And again, you know, I, I feel like with baseball, it's almost like the pacing is. And you know, there's a game, and then there's another game. Whereas football it's like we wait up till we wait till the next big event, the next big game.
1: There's so much anticipation and hype for each each right. upcoming event in football.
0: And in baseball, it's like, well, you know, Tuesday against the Brewers. Who cares, right? It doesn't I mean matter.
1: even there's... even if you look at the draft of both leagues, the NFL draft. You'll talk. You'll hear about the draft for weeks and mm-hmm. weeks. With baseball. You know, it just kind of happened. It's like these guys will be developing for a couple of years, and one out of every hundred of them will actually see some time on the actual team that drafted them um, in the MLB. And so the hype leading up to anything, any aspect of of these sports is significantly different. Absolutely.
0: Okay, so baseball, I'm going to say there were sort of two events that were hyped this summer. Mm -hmm. One was the All-Star Game. And that was probably hyped in a terrible way. Because, I look, I think the, the story for the baseball, for the All Star game was that it was Stacey Abrams and Brian Kemp got into mm-hmm. a fight, and the All Star game had to go to Colorado. The other event was the Field of Dreams game.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If you look at the ratings on both of these events, the All Star game is at historic lows. Mm. So, somehow that is that mainstay of the summer is like dying off in popularity, but the field of dreams game was the biggest hit. And they've already decided that they're going to play this game. You know, it's going to happen again next year. I think the Cubs Mm -hmm. are going to be in it. And it sounds like this is going to be an ongoing tradition. Mm -hmm. I think that's an interest. I've got some theories, but I think that's an interesting thing that field of dreams game, big hit all-star game kind of fizzling.
1: Yeah. So, what what is your? I you said you have some theories. What's your primary theory on this? What what do you how, what do you think I, is that? I think it, this I think it happen? says
0: something about the way baseball has sort of dropped the ball in terms of creating stars. Mm-hmm. You know, the look the other big story in baseball, right, is that there's an maybe the most unique sports story in 2021 is Otani from the Angels, right? I mean, they've got a mm-hmm. player. That is nine and two as a pitcher, has a slider that is the most unhittable pitch in the league, and has forty four home runs. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is truly kind of sports unicorn territory. And if you just tuned into, I think if you just watched the morning shows on ESPN, you would barely know that this exists. You so, would,
1: and I also think if you asked. Even the average—I was going to say the average American—I think even the average sports fan, I think does the average not, sports
0: fan would has no idea who the guy is.
1: Exactly, that's what I'm saying. And yeah. that's like that's the average sports fan. That's someone that watches Sports Center every morning, and that's mm-hmm. somebody that that has teams that they follow and leagues that they keep up with. Um, is I, he you, a star
0: out in L.A.? Is he a star locally? No.
1: Okay. <laughs> no, I mean Anaheim is kind of a weird one because everyone in Los Angeles pulls for the Dodgers, and. Mm-hmm anaheim's kind of like the clippers (laughs) anaheim's kind of like the clippers so i I, you know that team doesn't have a huge fandom um
0: but even abstracting away from otani it's like well who else is you know so i think the problem is you know the all-star game used to be well this was sort of america's sports heroes coming together to play in a single game and now it's a bunch of guys that no one has really heard of because they only know the top 2 3 players from from their team and so they come together in the all-star game and fans collectively yawn. I mean like I said this is just my this is my my theory. While in contrast, the Field of Dreams game is playing on aspects of nostalgia beautifully. Mm-hmm. Right? And so you're going back to you know that's this Kevin Costner movie, which I'm gonna guess, I'm gonna guess this is a like late '80s kind of film, um, and, and so it's really the sweet spot for and, and the the themes of that film of you know build it and they will come and fathers and sons. It, it's kind of totally on point and on brand for what baseball likely means to this core audience of. 55 and and 60 year olds. And so it's totally sort of fits baseball's sweet spot. But for the health of the sport, you know, it's got to be about the stars. If you want the youth to keep coming out, then your stars have got to be glamorous kind of world beaters that everyone wants to follow on social media and wants to tune in to see see the guy hit the hit the home run 450 feet.
1: Yeah, and when when I was a kid, baseball was the sport that every kid. It's because it's so every kid plays little league. It seems, and we all had these heroes. You know, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds. It was all the. It was all the yeah. sluggers. All the, and of course, the steroids um, <laughs> revelations were incredibly damaging to that league and into the perception of those players for my generation. But I think if you asked like the average MLB fan, the average MLB fan, if you said, name the first five MLB players that come to your head. And if it so happened to be a Braves fan, he would name the five best players for the Atlanta Braves. And those would be the first five players. If it were a Red Sox fan, first, the five best Red Sox players. If you ask a Los Angeles Lakers fan, who are the five first current NBA players that come to your head? They would say LeBron. Then they would say Giannis. They would say Steph Curry. They'd be all over the league because it's such a star-driven league. No NBA fan would respond by saying the, the starting five for their team. Um, Doug, and I think that's telling about you know Major League Baseball and its, its problem yeah. with developing these stars internationally and, and even just nationally.
0: I think that's a good observation because if you asked a basketball fan in Atlanta before Trey Young broke through mm-hmm. to name the five NBA players, he would not come up with an Atlanta Hawk.
1: I don't. I don't even know if they. I don't even know now with Trey Young being kind of a second team All yeah. NBA type it might player. Be, but that would be the only I one. I don't think. I don't think he even gets listed in that five. I think they. I think they still go LeBron, uh, Giannis. You know, they go that route. Steph Curry. Those. Those big, nationwide, like the guys that are on commercials all over. You know, for big time brands. Those are the guys that get listed.
0: Looking ahead, and so looking at. MLB standings I think there's about two weeks left in the season the division leading teams are the Tampa Bay Rays yep the Chicago White well and let's just sort of you know, perception of the brand power of uh, each of these these teams Doug the Tampa Bay Rays
1: being in championship contention helps <laughs> and so they've the perception of them has been better recently but you know looking at the division that they're in with the red Sox and the yankees Yankees. even the orioles i mean any of these teams i feel like i would think of before i would think of the rays
0: and and the thing is it's a great story because the rays have a very low payroll so it's 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 like i said it's a great story but not not capturing the popular imagination uh the white Sox.
1: yeah they're obviously the second team in in chicago And Although the, uh, I will say they have one uniform this year that is a beautiful uniform. And the I South Sider uniform. Yes, yeah. <laughs> They're so great. And I'm like, man, they might they might win some fans over with those. But yeah, yeah, the White Sox um definitely not a huge brand when you know relative to other baseball teams. Then
0: you've got the the Astros.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, you a know. Very
0: unpopular brand amongst major league baseball It's unpopular.
1: It's unpopular, but I feel like it you know oddly enough I guess this might go back to that like all publicity is good publicity I feel like the Astros kind of put themselves on the map with the whole cheating thing because they're they're one of the first <laughs> when someone says MLB teams they're one of the first teams that comes to mind now simply because I've heard so much about them in the last few years
0: Then you have on the other side the National League you've got the Braves
1: which is a huge shocker after um you know some some early season injuries on that team I think that fan base felt that they were cursed and this wasn't going to be their year. And then now they they have hope, which as we know, as you know, people who have lived in Atlanta for some period of time, that is the most scary place for Atlanta sports fans is when you have hope.
0: Yeah. Um, then we have the Brewers.
1: Yeah. Right. Milwaukee um, in front of the Cardinals too.
0: And then let's say the Giants slash LA likely to win mm-hmm. the uh, the last division. Yeah. so at least there you've got you know sort of some marquee a couple of marquee teams a couple of big brands big markets it's
1: a nice mix i think it's a nice mix of like the dodgers and giants those are obviously enormous brands in major league baseball baseball Um, but it's fun for me like i'm kind of such an underdog guy that if it's only yankees and dodgers across the league in the playoffs or you know in the world series i'm not particularly interested but you know if i get to see the rays go up against the dodgers or something like that like it gives you a little guy to pull for
0: now and again to make this full circle and then we'll sort of move off baseball i'm not asking you this question but if you were to ask the average american sports fan and think about how different this is compared Mm -hmm. to you know asking the average american sports fan to name a player on all the nfl playoff teams you know every, everyone knows the quarterbacks and the running backs and the outside linebacker. Yeah, I would put out there that I bet you the average American sports fan would not be able to name a single player From on the East. Rays, the White Sox, the you know it, it's and so th- there's a message here for this this league which is you've got to you got to get out front of this. You got to help these guys become stars. Because when people think about a team Fans want to put a face to that, right? And so in the NFL, it's almost always the the quarterback. It's Tom Brady or it's Russell Wilson. You got to personify these teams. You got to make you got to make them human, and you got to push the stars on the teams that are going to be in the in the postseason.
1: Yeah, I think one of the biggest issues in MLB, like I think Otani to me is the most interesting story. I think that's the player. If I'm Major League Baseball, like I want him to be the Michael Joy. I want him to be the LeBron. I want him to be that guy. The Angels are.
0: Can, can I add one thing, Doug? I looked yeah. up his salary. He makes $3 million this year.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're getting a good deal on him. <laughs> um, they're getting a good deal on him, but he'll, he'll make his money. I'm sure he'll end up playing for the Yankees at some point because that's just how baseball works. But, you know, having your biggest star playing on a, a bottom feeder in the AL West, um, that's tough. And then Braves, you know, I, I think the player that they were building. The in branding around is was Acuna and he is out for the season um and has been and so you you have a number of playoff contenders like you said that you know I don't know if the average sports fan could even name one player on their team that's uh that's a problem and and you mentioned the NFL I mean think of the NBA I don't think anybody I mean you could almost name I think the average sports fan could probably name one player from every team in the NBA, but particularly the playoff teams and the real contenders, absolutely. I mean, that's just easy. You think of a team, you think of their star. Uh, With baseball, not the case.
0: That's where I wanted to be careful, though, because I'm I'm not sure about that. Like, I know you and I can do that, and I don't consider myself a... I consider myself more almost a casual basketball fan at this point. Right. I, I just don't have a sense of how... How deep that goes once you get beyond kind of that core basketball fan. Okay, so to wrap things up for this week, last thing I want to do is talk a little bit about some of where we're we're going in terms of, let's say, larger research, more original research initiatives and some different types of programming. So at the beginning of this, we talked a little bit about live events on campuses. And so we used to at the Mac Center, we used to run a live event. Used to before before COVID, we are going to be doing a podcast series of events. So uh, a little bit less sports themed, more marketing, marketing analytics. Uh, frankly, though, our emphasis in terms of our programming, and this is this is a this is a look ahead. This is going to happen in in November, but we're going to bring in someone that is in an influencer. We're going to bring in someone. that We don't do a lot of guests. We're going to bring in someone that is very involved in uh, college sports in terms of ticket sales. And then the third thing that we're actually going to do, and this is something that we're going to be talking a lot about throughout the fall, is report on a research study that we've been working on for about the last half year that we're something we're calling the next generation fandom survey. Uh, And in fact, we're going to put the highlight report of the results out there on www. sometime this week. It's really, I mean, you've seen some of the stuff, Doug, I tend to think it's, it's really cool stuff. It's a real deep dive into differences in fandom across generation z so you know you're you're an old z i think doug right you're 25 you're about the oldest z out there uh yeah i'm right on the
1: line i'm right on the line
0: yeah millennials from about 25 to 40 uh the gen x sort of my cohort which is about i think 40 42 to 57 and the baby boomers
1: yeah and i think that information can help fanalists like ourselves to (laughs) look at some of the conversations we've been having today look at the pandemic and its effects on in the crowds for college football versus MLB, the followings for each of those, and then kind of looking at the demographics of, of different age groups and how their fandom has changed over the years and see some of these correlations. I think it's really good stuff, Mike, that, that you've been working on um, over there, and I'm excited to, to get it out there for our listeners to check out and start to uh, fanalize with us.
0: <laughs> I like it. Analytics and fanalizing things. Uh, The only other thing I'll add to that, because I do think it's, I think the, the, the elements or sort of the content of that survey actually take us beyond sports. So I encourage everyone to take a look at it as we put it out there, because we go beyond just sports fandom. We actually start to ask some questions about entertainment and even some brands. And so it ends up being a real good snapshot of just where our culture is at in the year 2021 coming out of COVID. So with that, let's wrap things up for this week. Like I said, as always, thanks for listening and more content at fandomanalytics.com.